The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for that warm welcome. A warm welcome to you in return too. I particularly want to say uh, welcome to those of you in our Peterborough Centre here, but also to the congregations in Leicester, in Cambridge, in Cafe Church, and to those of you who are watching online today. Uh, may God bless you and encourage you in every way. Uh, today we're starting this series uh, 23, looking at Psalm 23, and uh, I pray, absorbing from that reasons to be confident in our God, the Shepherd. Uh, the words, as you heard them read to you a moment or two ago, uh, may have sounded familiar. Maybe one or two lines stuck out to you. Maybe you knew the whole psalm. You could recite it along with that reading. I, I'm not quite sure. But wherever you are in that spectrum, God's got a, a word for you today. I am absolutely convinced of that. Now, Psalm 23 is called the Shepherd Psalm for obvious reasons. And so I thought as a kind of advanced preparation for today, I would uh, do something a bit shepherdy. That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? So... Thank you. Uh, so I thought, uh, well, what could I do, Shepherdy? Uh, I know, I'll get a lamb, right? No, and no, I couldn't get a lamb. Okay, sorry. You all looked over there. Uh, couldn't get a lamb, too expensive. Then, oh, I know, a sheepdog, a puppy sheepdog. That would make you think Shepherdy thoughts, wouldn't it? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, couldn't get a sheepdog either. Okay, so then I thought, I know. I downloaded a couple of back episodes of One Man and His Dog. Anybody ever seen that? Uh, uh, it's just as the program says, uh, one man and his dog, or one woman and her dog, and uh, they do all that whistling thing, whoop, whoop, away jock, and all that, and it, the, the, the dog manages to get the sheep to go, and you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? So I thought that you would really like it if I learned how to do that whistle thing. You, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you want, me, you want to hear me play this? Yeah, come on, I need a bit more encouragement than that. I'm going to milk this for the next five minutes. Okay, so uh, I ordered this online, pound twenty-five. I mean, it's got to be good, hasn't it? Uh, now, on the day that it arrived, I, I was late home from work. I got home about well, quarter to ten or something like that. Um, but, you know, when you get a whistle in the post, you don't wait till the morning to try it, do you? You open it, and Heather had already gone to bed, so about half past ten by now, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll have a really good go at this, uh, because I know how impressed you would be if I was able to do that up, down, and away jock thing and all that. You'd get that, wouldn't you? I knew you would be impressed. So anyway, I blew this with all of my might. I can't do it now, because it could damage somebody's hearing. Um, I'd make all the different noises and all that, uh, but actually nothing came out of it. Not a sound. And I was a bit perplexed. I tried and tried and tried again. Nothing was coming out of this whistle. Uh, that's when I realized, stupid me, 
that of course, this is one of those, one of those ones that only dogs can hear, okay? <laughs> so even if I blew it for you now, you wouldn't be able to tell. And then I started to imagine what was happening in the neighborhood. <laughs> because uh, I live out in a village, uh, two doors up from me, there's a, there is a farm, and it's got, there's a sheepdog there called Bruce, um, that's his name, we've been introduced, uh, and a load of other sheepdogs, and then I just started thinking, oh no, what have I done? Half past 10 at night, I've been blown on this, and all the sheepdogs in the neighborhood have been doing like human pyramids, or doggy pyramids, or, uh, or they've been uh, shepherding their owner into the corner of the kitchen, or, or they've been doing something rolling over, and people are like, what's going on? So I was looking forward to Facebook the next morning to see what had been happening. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, even if I played this with all the skill that I have, you wouldn't be able to hear it anyway. Okay, so uh, this will be on eBay, by the way, at the end of the day. So, uh, £6.50 because it's been used by someone who's trying to get uh, as a shepherd. It's antique now. So you get this idea of the shepherd Sam coming through. I'm sorry, I can't be as good a shepherd as I wanted to be on this occasion, but I have soaked myself in this Sam over the past three or four weeks or so and asked God to really speak to my heart first before I speak to yours. And God has been speaking to my heart. When you start reading sentences like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and you read it over and you eat every word, you know, you kind of feast on every word, you dwell on every word, God will start to speak to you, I guarantee it. And you will find your heart lifted, your soul rising. That's my expectation for us today, is that even as uh, first you're listening and then we pray together later, God is going to lift our hearts to a new place. Anybody need that? Anybody need that level of encouragement? Well, it's on its way. It's coming here through this particular word. Now, before I come to verse one of Psalm 23, which is what I want to focus on, nine words that are there uh, to focus on this morning, I want to give it just a couple of big ideas that will help us understand both today and the next three weeks in the Psalm. Because there are two big, more than two, but two kind of predominant big ideas that are in the background of the Psalm that the first readers of the Psalm, those who sang it the first time round, would have identified with. Most of us are not shepherds. Most of us are not in even rural communities. Most of us are not agriculturists. So it doesn't naturally strike us when we read it, but it would have done for the Israelites as they heard David's psalm. So the first big idea that's rolling in the background is this, that God is a shepherd and we are his sheep. Okay, now I know the Psalms say that we are made in the likeness of God. That's absolutely true. That he loves us, absolutely true. That he did everything for us. The Bible goes to all lengths to see how precious you are, but it also says you're a sheep. Okay, uh, I'm a sheep, you're a sheep. The Bible idea is that God is a shepherd. So for example, in Psalm 80, David himself writes uh, in a prayer, he writes this, please listen Here's the phrase, O shepherd of Israel, that's, that's God, who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock. And we are Joseph's descendants, obviously, so he leads us like a flock. God is a shepherd and we are like sheep. The prophet Isaiah goes one step further. I'm not quite sure if I like this, or you might like this, but it, I think it's true. The, the word is true, maybe it applies to us. He says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. I wonder if you can, I can. I can identify with times in my life before I knew Christ and even since when I've really wanted to do my own thing and not his thing. That's sheep-like behavior. Now, just in case you're any chance that you're going to take offense at being called a sheep, sheep are lovely, okay? I've got a picture of a sheep here. This is you, okay? You, did you get that? Oh, oh I need to write that down. This is you. Yeah, okay, oh. 
Come on, be with me. E-W-E, okay. Uh, isn't she, he, absolutely lovely? Wouldn't you like one of them? And I don't mean for your dinner. I mean, isn't that lovely? You're lovely, you're a sheep. You're soft, you're cuddly. But if you're a lamb, you're also prone to wander off. You're prone to be stubborn, easily frightened, and you find it hard to see anything beyond what's right in front of you. Actually, sheep can only see really close, apparently, my studies tell me. And actually, when the flock of which you're part decides to go because they're hungry or they're disturbed in some way, they decide to go that way, and everything in you, your brain and all your logical thinking says, I should be going that way. Actually, so often in our life, it's our sheepiness that gets us drawn in with others and we find us. Anybody else resonate with some of this? So there's some kind of sheepy behavior that's in us. And as for wandering off, sheep are notorious for that. If you have a dog, a cat, a horse, or a homing pigeon, you can take that animal pretty much away from your house, let it loose, and it will find its way back. They're pretty good at doing that. But as for a sheep, it's got no sense of inbuilt GPS. When a sheep is lost, it's totally lost unless someone, the shepherd, goes looking for it. So the message that's coming across loud and clear to us is that we need a shepherd. The overriding message of Psalm 23, and it will go over the next four weeks, is that sheep can't make it without a shepherd. Hear that? You can't make it. I can't make it. We can't make it without a shepherd. But what's also true is that with the shepherd, we can. With the shepherd, we can flourish. With the shepherd, we can be strong. We can be fed. And this is what all the other verses of Psalm 23 say. We can be fed and watered. We can be full of peace. We can be sheltered. We can be anointed. We can be surrounded by the goodness and mercy of God. We can live in the light of eternal hope, all because we are sheep and he is the shepherd. That's what the Israelites would have heard first thing. The second big idea that comes through in the scripture to do with this is this idea that the shepherd picture of God is not contained only to the Old Testament. In fact, it finds its fulfillment, the picture of the shepherd finds its fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. That's how he described himself. John chapter 10, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd, why? Because I know my own sheep and they know me. Jesus is the good shepherd, the ultimate expression of this relationship of God as a shepherd and we are his sheep. Peter, who we heard a lot about last week in the, in the Easter services a couple of weekends ago, spoke about the fact that when he thought about Jesus and what Jesus had done, he puts it down like this. He said to us, once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to, and this is Jesus, you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So in the person of Jesus, we have the perfect outflow, perfect example of what the shepherd means. So over the next three weeks, when we're thinking about Psalm 23, there's two big ideas. God is a shepherd and we are the sheep's and that that shepherdness is absolutely incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. Keep those two things running in the background, if you will. So let's turn then to verse one of Psalm 23. I wonder if you'd like to read it with me. Uh, here we have it on the screen together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now let's read it again, but this time when we get to the word my, we're gonna really emphasize that, okay? So we did this wonderfully in the first service. Let's see how you guys do. The Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not want. Now, do you hear the difference there? When you say my, when the emphasis is on there, all of a sudden, this is not just theory. All of a sudden, this is not just teaching, but this is mine. This is for me. And I believe God's got something for every single one of us here this morning. As we look at these nine words, I think that I've spotted, as I've been thinking about it, chewing it over, that there are three reasons, three key reasons why we can really trust God. And that's what I want to outline. You'll see it on the little notes there. Reason number one, we can trust God because he is powerful. Now, when you read the psalm, it begins, as you, as you just read it yourself, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, you'll see if you've got an NIV translation of the Bible that the word, the name Lord is in capital letters. That happens six a uh, thousand times in the Old Testament. 6,000 times that is there. So 6,000 times the God who is our shepherd is referenced in the Old Testament and the name Lord goes into the New Testament and we talk about our Lord Jesus. So when we are th- we're not just thinking we've got any old shepherd. We are thinking we have God as our shepherd. What is this God like? Well, I took two minutes between uh, services just to write down a few things about this God, and you could add to your list. This God is a big God. This is what the, I look in the Bible, I see a big God. I see a God who the Bible says flung stars into space and ordered the heavens. Wow, that's the God who is my shepherd. I see in the Bible a God, the God of Abraham. God, Abraham trusted God and God was good to Abraham and his purposes through him. I see God was trusted by Moses. I see that God was trusted by Elijah. I see that God was trusted by Nehemiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, David himself. You can go on, can't you? All these amazing, miraculous events that happened in the Bible were all at the hand of the God, the Lord, who is our, my shepherd. Wow, not any old shepherd we've got here. We have got the God of the universe as our shepherd. If Jesus is, as I said, the example of the good shepherd, look at Jesus, look at the power he had. Jesus went about doing good and healing. Jesus made uh, lame people able to walk. Jesus made blind people able to see. Jesus made deaf people able to hear. Jesus made outcast people, the woman at the well, remember I've had five husbands, nobody wants to know me, saved her. Makes outcast people in. This is the power of the God who is my shepherd. Wow, do you get the power of this? This God is a powerful God. Number one reason why we can trust him, because he is powerful. He is the God of the universe, as I've just described him to you. His name means peace. His name is everlasting. He is a healer. He is a provider. David himself was besotted with this God. He described the Lord this way. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. This is the same Lord who is your shepherd. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. The the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, when I say he's your shepherd, bear in mind I'm saying he's mine too. I mean, I'm included, but it's just hard for me to, you, me, and all that. We, he is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. What a platform of confidence we can have in our lives, can't we? If we trust God to be our shepherd. Number one, we can trust him because he is powerful. Number two, we can trust him because he is present with us. And this is a picture that David would have understood 
probably much better than we could have done. David, who is now, as at time of writing, he's the king of Israel. He's in the palace. He's actually having a bit of a rough time of it, to be honest. There's a civil war going on. His own son is rebelled against him, uh, and uh, he's just caught up in a whole lot of trouble. But when he's under pressure, he remembers back to the days when he was a shepherd boy. Most of his life he was a shepherd. And he remembers what he had to do as a shepherd. And then he translates that into how God is dealing with him as his person. Does that make sense? So he knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And he knows from that example the characteristics of God. Now, when we think of shepherds, or I think of shepherds at least, I think of quintessential English countryside. Well, maybe Scottish countryside, you know. Um, you know, like uh, rolling fields, green and lush, with little streams running between, bluebirds and crows and sheep all on the field, all fluffy. There's no scabby sheep in this picture. They're all fluffy as anything. The lambs jumping over each other, trying to get to Tesco before the other ones. Um, this is a kind of really thing, the, the, the shepherd, the one thing I want to be as a shepherd is a quad bike, right? Shepherds have quad bikes, don't they? I want a quad bike, okay? Uh, he goes out there and chases the sheep and with the dogs and all that. Oh, how lovely is that? Beautiful kind of picture, isn't it? You agree with me, don't you? Uh, that's got nothing to do with what David was thinking about, okay? Uh, because David was a shepherd, not in England, as you surprise, surprise, but he was actually a shepherd east of Jerusalem in a land that is actually a desert wilderness, so when he was leading his flock of sheep out there when he was a shepherd boy, he was leading them into a very dangerous place. You know that when there's not enough food, when there's not enough water, when there's not enough space, animals contend for that food, don't they? And so these sheep, when they were out there, are, under, are in danger all the time of being attacked and being stolen, being eaten. David himself tells in his own story how he'd fought off lions and bears and all sorts of creatures who had come to try and steal his sheep. Now he knew from being a shepherd, who's basically a, more like a warrior than the shepherds that we're thinking of, he, he's out there thinking, I'm protecting these sheep. There is nothing that will make me leave these sheep. And then he thinks, the Lord is my shepherd. This is the Lord who would never leave me. Bear in mind, he's in the middle of a civil war. Everything's all going wrong. This is the Lord who will never, ever leave me. Wow. And this is true for us too. Now, most of us don't live in a wilderness unless, of course, you consider... Spalding a wilderness. I, I don't. I live out there, but I wouldn't say it's a wilderness. But actually, when we think of wilderness and think of our lives, we might actually think of other things. We might think, for example, that things seem to be quite tough at the moment. We're having a wilderness experience. Or you could feel like the whole of the tide of life is going against you. And you think, well, yeah, I've, I'm in a wilderness experience right now. There doesn't seem to be much food. Maybe ill health has struck you or your family and you think, yeah, I can identify with wilderness, absolutely. I don't know what to do. Maybe you're just lonely. Uh, I, I shouldn't say the word just. <laughs> Maybe you're lonely. Uh, actually, being lonely is a wilderness experience, isn't it? Those of you who have experienced it at any time. Maybe relationships around you are in bits. They're not how you'd want them to be. And actually, it feels very much like a wilderness. Well, I just want to say to you that if David... The psalmist can say, the Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd is one who never leaves the sheep in the wilderness. Our Father God will never leave you there either. You were never designed to be a wilderness dweller. Do you know that? You might be going through wilderness. The Bible doesn't say that when you become a Christian, suddenly you live in a rose garden or anything like that. You'll go through troubled times. We'll be, we will be in the wilderness, but we're not people who dwell there. We're people who God helps through the wilderness. 
So whatever your wilderness in your life is right now, you can have great confidence because the God of God of power, as I've described him, is also a God who is present with you. It's interesting in Psalm 23, it's all in the first person. You see that? It talks about uh, my or I or you. There isn't any we or us or they in this psalm. It's one of the reasons that commentators suggest that it's such a popular psalm because anybody reading it or reading it out loud is reading it for themselves. But this is the God that I'm talking about. The Lord, my shepherd, is one who will never leave you. Just get that right in your heart right now. By the power of God's spirit, I declare it over your own heart. Let it get in your heart right now. He is my shepherd. He will never leave me. Every single one of us, whatever age we are, whatever our circumstances are, whether we're in the wilderness now, and as I've described it, or whether that might come in the future, who knows? But what we do know is that he is with us. He's close to us and will never, ever leave us. The message of Psalm 23 is that you can trust God in every wilderness experience of your life because he is present with you. He's the good shepherd. He would never abandon the flock and he will never abandon you. That is guaranteed by his word. A few months ago, I read in the Bible in one year a story that Nicky Gumbel tells, which illustrates this. It tells a story of two kind of like pastors, as it were, traveling through um, Wales, the, the highlands of Wales, and they, they, they come across a young boy who's a shepherd there, and um, when they get, try to talk to him and they discover that he's got a hearing impairment, they can't quite make themselves understood, and actually he's illiterate, so he can't read the stuff that they're trying to show him, but in their hearts, they want to get across to him the fact that the Lord is his shepherd. So after a bit of back and forth, eventually they, they fall on this idea, they, they get his hand, and they, they trace out the Lord is my shepherd. Easy. And after a few times, he gets it. He understands it. He clicks, as it were. And then just before they leave, they say, there's one other thing you need to know is to lean onto this thing here, my shepherd. Get a hold of those two fingers. Just do it right now, wherever you are. Get a hold of those two fingers. That is my shepherd. My shepherd. Now, the story goes that some time later, a few years later, they, these guys are traveling back through the same valley and they go looking for this boy only to be told that actually a winter or so ago he had uh, he'd been he died in a snowstorm looking after the sheep but when they literally when they dug him out of the snow they found him holding on to these fingers of his hand because of this idea of my shepherd now the cynical amongst you will be thinking well it didn't do him a lot of good because <laughs> he got killed in a storm but Psalm 23 is interesting because the first verse says my uh, the Lord is my shepherd. The last verse, which in uh, Psalm-type poetry is a parallel for the first verse, it's the only other time the word Lord is used in the Psalm other than that, and it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So yes, he was holding on to my shepherd through to that point of eternity. God will never leave you and you hold on to him, my shepherd. I thought, whether the story's true or not, I don't know, but I get the sentiment. I love that idea. I've been practicing it for the last few weeks that when I feel nervous, when I feel concerned, I just hold my shepherd is with me. My shepherd, it just helps me to recognize, maybe this week you could do the same if you've got a job interview or if you've got a health scare going on or you've got a relational thing going on and you need to meet somebody and talk things through. What about, you know, I mean, don't, if you hold your own hand, it'll look a bit weird, you know, but, you know, just on the way in, you just hold your finger. He's my shepherd. My shepherd is with me. I cannot go anywhere today that my shepherd is not with me. And who is the shepherd? Wow, the shepherd is the Lord. 
the creator, preserver, and governor of all things seen and unseen. Wow, that breathes confidence to me. So firstly, he's powerful. Secondly, he's present. And thirdly, and the last phrase of this verse is, we can trust God because he is our provider. Here's the verse again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I have to tell you that in terms of preparation, apart from learning the sheep whistle, this was the hardest bit of the verse for me. Uh, Because actually... uh, Honestly, I'm being honest with you, I, I want a lot of things. Uh, so to say, I shall not want, I, th- I found that quite tricky because actually um, I want my family to have really good health. I, I want my children and my two grandchildren to be financially secure. I, I want them to have good jobs, not the grandchildren, they don't need to work just yet, but uh, my kids to have good jobs. I, I want everyone I know to have strong purpose in their life, that when they get up in the morning, they're they're driven by a, not driven, but they're kind of helped by a sense of purpose in their day. It's not just one day after another. I want everybody to have that. I want my neighborhood to be one that honors Jesus. And so I make an effort to meet my neighbors and try and talk to them about the things of Christ. I want all those things. I want all of my children to have a vibrant relationship with God. I absolutely do. And so for me to think I shall not want was a bit tricky. To understand where I'm coming from here. So I had to delve down a bit and try and understand more uh, what this verse was saying, because either I was totally wrong or I was just needing a bit more help on this. But as I uh, studied into this, I came right back to the Hebrew translation of the original verse. And here is what you find when you go right back to the original Hebrew. It doesn't say, I shall not want. It says this. It says, I shall lack nothing. I shall lack, well, actually it says not. I shall lack not. Ah, now, now I can connect with this. I shall lack not. As soon as I read that, other verses start coming to mind. Young lions suffer and want and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I realized again, was reminded, and I remind you that God is not a God of lack. God is a God of supply. God is a God of provision. God is a provider into our hearts. So when we ask him for things, we might not get exactly what we ask for, but we will always get him. He will always give himself to us. He will always come close to us. He is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. Now, I don't know what you were asking God for or what you'd like to ask God for, um, but I think we fall into one or two kind of ditches here. And so I just want to be clear about this, what I, I think we can justifiably ask for. I think there's two ditches. One ditch uh, on this side of, if you imagine a road with a ditch on each side, is um, I, I guess you could say it's like poverty thinking. It's a kind of thinking which is, it doesn't matter what happens in my life, I always seem to end up in this ditch. In fact, I mean, I've heard this many times on the beta course when I've been praying for people and talking with them. They think, my life has been in this ditch for the last 30 or 40 years. I'm never going to get out of it. You see that kind of thinking, that kind of thinking and that kind of attitude, where does that keep you? It keeps you believing that God is not going to supply. It keeps you believing the lie of the enemy that God is holding back from you. It keeps you believing that you have to do something in order for God to supply. That's not the ditch to be in. Now, to go to the other side here, and this other, the ditch on this side of the road, if you like, is a ditch of um, consumerism. That is that God is like Santa. I just make a list of all the things I want, all the good things I want, everything that I want, present it to him, and it's like, remember that program that was on TV years ago, Supermarket Sweep? Anybody remember that? Some of you loved it, didn't you? You'd, you'd, I can see the highbrows. No, I never heard of it. You have, you watched it every day. Um, 
The idea of that was a bell rings, you get a supermarket trolley, you run around the supermarket and you fill it with everything you want. Wow, amazing. When you get to the end, you count it up and you keep it. So many of us have that kind of attitude when it comes to God. I think that's a ditch because I don't think God is saying you can get whatever you want. I think what God is saying, and this is my understanding of it, and I hope this helps you, is that being in the ditch of poverty and lack thinking is not helpful, obviously. Being in this ditch where you think that God is ever going to give you everything you want, I think in experience is not helpful because there's disappointment coming your way. What I think is that this road, the center road, is the road of stewardship and the road of trust. It's not that I own everything, but that I'm entrusted with things. And that when I think of all the things that God has given me, all the relationships, all the money, all the things that I have, and I think of them as something that I'm entrusted with and I need to look after, well, a supply line is made between me and the riches of God. This is my little imaginary road. Here I'm making my way forward in my life. And the Bible tells me, Paul writes it, my God will supply every need of yours. My God will supply every need of yours. There's not a maybe, it's not an if, there's no buts about it. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So this is this road. I'm making my way in my life. I'm trying not to fall into this ditch. Oh, poor me, I'm going to be poor forever. And I don't just mean materially, but in lots of areas of my life, I'm always going to come up lacking that God doesn't want you to live there or fall into this other ditch here. You know, yeah, God supplies all my needs. I'm going to have a, a better one of these and you know, my phone needs upgrading and all, all of that stuff. Those things are, in, in my view, inconsequential. What has to happen is that seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. When you set your heart on doing God's plan for your life, you can wake up every morning knowing that your needs will be supplied. There will be no lack You will never lack what you need to be able to do God's will and purpose. How do I know that? I know that because I've seen it time and time again in people's lives. I've seen it in my own life and I see it in the Bible too. I can tell you that there's been many occasions in my life when uh, I've experienced this kind of thing. And I'll tell you about one of them just in a second or two. But first, I just want to... uh, I'm going to get emotional here. I've got to take a breath. Hang on. Uh, last weekend, or, or the weekend before, there was an opportunity in all of our services across all Kingsgates to be able to write down, you might recall this, uh, any prayer need that you had, and you put it on a card and you handed it in. Remember that? Uh, last Thursday, uh, I got all the cards from the Peterborough Centre. There were 401 of them, and I prayed over every single one of them. That, that, that they're here in, in front of me. I, started, I prayed over every single one of these cards, asking God to supply your every need. I'm I'm not sure that you're going to get some of you what you've asked for, but what I do know is you're going to get him. I do do know that if you're keeping good to the promise to trust in him and to do what he's calling you to do, being where he wants you to be, the road of supply is open to you. And that's what I've been praying for you since Thursday. And Thursday, I started praying these things. Some of these things are absolutely heartbreaking. I just have to pause. This is why I paused here and say, There were two cards, I've taken them out of here, but there were two cards in here that I've been praying for particularly. There were two people who said that they thought their life wasn't worth living and that they were going from the service to do something terrible in their lives. A place, if you're here, I just want you to know that your life is absolutely 100% worth living. You know, There was no names in the cards or I would have come looking for you. I literally would have rung you up. I'd have come tried to find you. Um, because God, the shepherd, is pursuing you. 
He's after you. You wrote down there, you're having a really tough time. He, he cares about you. He put you in a flock, whether you're normally coming a Sunday to here or whether you've just joined. That we're all sheep under God. That makes us a flock. And God's intended that we care for each other. He's intended that we look out for each other. And I'm telling you absolutely 100% right now, your life is definitely worth living. You're you, there is purpose for your life. You might not have discovered it yet. We would love to help you find it. If that's you, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you as begging as I can be. As a pastor, I speak to you. As a father in this house, I speak to your heart. And I ask you at the end of the service, just join the whole queue of people who will be coming for prayer. So you won't be labeled, you won't be singled out. Nobody will know until you get to the front and you can just say, that person David mentioned, that was me. I just need some purpose in my life. And we would love to pray for you. So th th these are heartbreaking needs. But I believe that God is as big as any need that is in here. I honestly do. I honestly, absolutely believe that to be true. When I looked through the cards, I kind of grouped them and, you know, got an idea of what are the kind of needs that are here and put them in a little chart thanks to the media team. I did a little diagram for me here. It's on, it's on the screen. Here are some of the things that were reflected here. And the reason I'm listing this, the reason I'm showing you this list is not for you to think, oh, how many needs have we got? I want you to realize that we are just human beings. Yes, we have needs and that God cares for every single one of these. There are 401, the one is important. Absolutely. Whether it be loneliness, health and healing, direction, purpose, choices that you have to make, financial pressures, Christian faith issues, difficult circumstances, lack of hope, I've already mentioned that, relationships, marriage, family life, any of these things and more, God is interested. God is present, God is powerful, God is capable of helping you and looking after you. I am absolutely convinced of that. Back to my point, how can I be so convinced? How can I, surely you've had an easy life. You know, you look at me and think, oh, I've had an easy life. Yeah, in comparison to other people, maybe I have. But I can tell you that there's three times in my life, uh, in, first I was single, uh, the other two I was married when I was 20, when I was 30, when I was 47, when I felt the call of God, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happened to me, felt the call of God on me to give absolutely, to draw a line in the sand and everything I had before that point, I was to leave behind and go and follow what he asked me to do. And when I was 20 years old, I got on a train from uh, Glasgow, the very first time I'd ever been on the train to London, I went to Bible college, spent three years, uh, two and a half years there. That, that left everything behind to go and do that. When I was 30, Heather and I were married by then. We had uh, three uh, small children. The eldest was six, uh, four, and just a baby. Uh, we felt the call of God to move from Yorkshire, where we were ministering in a church, uh, right down to Bedford in a completely different environment. Uh, but it required that we left everything. We literally moved from a house that was tied accommodation to another house that was tied accommodation. And literally, I'm not exaggerating, we had nothing. We had no money, we had no furniture. All that was in this house was carpets, and that was it. Uh, but we were full of faith that God had called us. And when you're full of faith, and God has called you, you'll go any place, won't you? Because we knew, we know now, and we knew then that God is our provider. And that we will not lack any good thing. So we were full of faith and we were trying to, as you do these times you, with your children, you don't want your children to feel any anxiety about this kind of move. So we were with the kids, well, God's going to provide for us and all those kind of things. And our daughter, who was six at the time, said, brilliant, God's going to give me a cabin bed. Right, and I'm thinking, you know, back then, this is like 20 odd years ago, a cabin bed was like a bed at the top and like a little office thing at the bottom. She, she really wanted one of them. So uh, I think, oh, great, yeah. Oh, what's going on? Yeah, we're going to get one. God's good. God, is, God will come through. 
Anyway, cut a long story short, we visited Bedford. We thought, um, she said, oh, the cabin bed is not here yet. Um, so we, we went to MFI, big furniture store at the time, and we looked around and we were praying and Zoe was ecstatic. Um, and Zoe finds a bed that she wants. That's the one. It's a grey one with a red stripe on it. It was all fashionable when, uh, when she was six. That's it. A heart was set on that. God will give me this one. Oh my, we were thinking, ah, it's the most expensive one in the shop. How's that going to happen? But we trusted God. God will never see us in lack. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that God will give you absolutely everything that you ask for. When you ask for things, God gives you himself first, which is really deep down, that's all you need in that assurance. But he'll never see you stuck. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Uh, it's our British temperament not to ask. Our British temperament is, yeah, well, God will supply what we need, but... Yeah, let him deal with all the detail. No, actually, we have to say, God, you said you would be our supplier here in this situation. Our daughter wants that bed. You help us provide for us. Anyway, cut a long story short, a few months later, we moved there. We had a transit van which had the kids' things, bikes and things like that. That's kind of all we got. We moved there, and I could, I could tell, take an hour to tell you, but one thing after another, people phoned us and said, oh, what do you need? Oh, we need a fridge. It's on its way, it'll be here this afternoon. And anyway, here's the medical part of it from my perspective, and it changed my daughter's life quite remarkably as far as faith is concerned, is that uh, we went and looked in the garage, and we opened the garage up, as you go, at, and you're ahead of me here, aren't you? In the garage was a cabin bed, the grey one with the red stripes on it. We hadn't, said to it. we hadn't mentioned this to a soul, because that's just the way we, we like to pray about things. Not mentioned it to a soul. We'd just come back in the house thinking, what is going on here? And the phone rang and the guy said, oh, I'm really sorry. Uh, I've just been moving house and the vicar let me put a cabin bed in there uh, just to store it because I'd nowhere else to put it. If you want it, it's yours. Otherwise, I'm going to have to take it and dump it. So, so you can imagine the joy in our daughter's life and in ours. And the reason I'm telling you this is not because we're clever. We were definitely in a tight spot. We were definitely in a place where we needed God to come through. And did he? Absolutely. I found that countless times over and over and over again, that God will never see you in lack. All we have to do is trust him and press onward in there. I can trust him because I know he's done it in my life. The Israelites had a, a, the same experience long before me. Um, the Lord God has blessed you in everything you have done Deuteronomy 2.7. He's watched your every step through this great wilderness. Notice he's going through the wilderness. During these 40 years, quite a long time of praying, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. That's my anointed present for you today. That if you trust him, travel through the desert with him, travel through the wilderness with him who is powerful, is present and provider, you will not be in lack. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are our good shepherd. You're our powerful, present provider. Every one of us, we say we trust you for today. We trust you for tomorrow and every day in our future, knowing that you are good and you're a supplier of all that we need. Amen.